five, four, three, two, one. All right, we are here with the very first complete TMCJ podcast. Did I say podcast? I already fucked up. Podcast. Good job. <laughs> that is a good christening to the beginning of this thing. What well, else does you mean to go on, as they say? <laughs> I think neither of us had any delusions that this was going to be something other than a shit show. But... Well, no, it's, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening to uh, this on any day that isn't, uh, next Saturday, the 30th, 29th? I don't know what uh, day it is. Um, yeah, but if, sure, yeah. if you're listening to this during the week, you're probably listening to one of the individual segments. Um, so the plan is, in this podcast final form, at least on YouTube, is to publish the podcast in four parts. So segment one will be published on... Monday, segment two on Wednesday, segment three on Friday, and then the whole podcast in its entirety will be published on Saturday as one video. The idea being, you know, if people want to just listen to something bite-sized, it's available in that, that kind of format, but if they want to listen to the entire thing, or they heard one bit and thought they wanted to hear the whole thing, they can, you know, listen to it on Saturday. Yep, and um, then they can go to therapy on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's what, sun, uh, yeah, and that, I mean, that, that's what Sunday's for. <laughs> just quietly crying and finding God wait is that a Sunday thing or is that a Saturday thing uh, it depends so it's a Sunday thing if you're a Christian I think it's a Saturday thing if you're Jewish right okay so we've already okay. gotten into religion and I haven't even brought up the first topic <laughs> yeah sorry <Go> on. <laughs> it's fine so you're the media master I, I have uh, for topics the first segment uh, what we're in now I have three topics that kind of have one overarching theme, and it's really one topic. It's media having aged or not aged well. So, like, ga this is in, with games, I mean, this is easy. It's games that have poor graphics. Are they still fun to play? Are they still interesting after years of playing through them? Movies, you know, it did the did cheesy special effects hold up? Is, like, the, the writing good enough or something like that? Um, and the same thing with books. Like, books, you kind of have to go at, look at a longer time frame, but along the same lines. So... Well, I was going to say, the first uh, the first thing that I think about, and ironically, it's not something that I've actually played myself, so mm -hmm. I don't know, it's going to be tenuous at best. But uh, you remember when Resident Evil 2 got remastered? I do, yeah. That was hugely popular for a while, and I was... I was far too young when it originally came out. Mm. Uh, I've looked at the remastered version, as in watched people playing it, and man, it looks pretty cool. Especially the fact that it has a mechanic that you don't really see in any other game, which is one constant invincible enemy. I so I personally never played that game. Um, I I was okay. never into horror games. I was old enough at the time. I think I was either in middle school or high school when it came out, and right. I had a friend who did play it. And um, yeah, I, I think I I watched you know play, people play it at his house, and um, I but I never personally played it. I am familiar with the core concept of the game, having seen plenty of videos about it when the remaster did come out. Um, right. I, I like that idea though that idea of having you're, you're not so much it's an enemy that you can't defeat it's just an immovable force the enemy at that point I think becomes an obstacle in the game yeah it's um, 
it, it it's got basically it's if you can imagine Slender Man, as I'm sure we all can. <laughs> yeah. If he were if he were like thick. If you were a thick boy, <laughs> uh, and he walks slowly, that is you sense. can hear him coming before he appears. You hear his boots stomping around the corridors, uh, oh. and he doesn't run. He doesn't move fast. He just constantly follows you throughout like half the game. You just have to keep moving around, otherwise he will catch up to you. That is a sentence I don't think I ever thought I would hear in my life. <laughs> if you can imagine Slender Man, except he's a thick boy. <laughs> well, uh, oh boy. I'm sure there's ran out of it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I mean, in that case, remasterings, that's, you know, um, this is probably going to come through on the mic, but I'm, I'm pouring more tea. <laughs> I have a little teapot here, which is... Um, <laughs> But I had a, and a small cup, which normally is a very good way to keep my tea warm. At this point, it's a very good way to have liquid sounds coming through my microphone. Um, I can't hear it, so I think you're fine. But anyway, go on. But thinking about um, remasterings and stuff, one thing I played very recently was the Final Fantasy VII Remake. And that's that's not a remastering. Oh. That one, they legitimately remade the game entirely. Um, is it actually Final Fantasy VII, then? Yes, so it's the story, but instead of... Uh, here, how to describe this. So, if, if the original game, uh, for those that don't know, was a, like, just a multi-disc epic on the PlayStation 1. It was three discs long, um, you played, it probably was something like 120 hours, if not more, of gameplay. Um, and the first disc, well, not even the whole first disc, about two-thirds of the way through the first disc, is where the remake ends. So what they did was they are completely remaking the game. Fully voice acted cutscenes, gorgeous graphics. Like, the gameplay is entirely different. The first one was a turn-based RPG. This one is still an RPG, but it's a hack-and-slash RPG. Ah, uh, I see. So the narrative is the same. The narrative is the same. The they've, game itself is different. Yeah, they've added some nuance to it. They've added a couple segments and like some stuff that wasn't in the first one, simply because mm. I guess it was either cut or they didn't have room. So the remake is two thirds of the way through the probably about a quarter of the first game, um, but it plays out for about I think I beat it in something like forty hours. Right. Yeah, I um. Growing up, Final Fantasy was always kind of more my brother's thing. I didn't play it too much. I remember on the DS and the PSP, we had a few um, Final Fantasy games, mm. and they were pretty darn fun. It was the ones that were like turn-based, and I loved the little the little figures, especially the God. I'm gonna butcher all of the characters, but the the there were like some guards. Who had like duck faces? <laughs> uh, except they looked like cool. They're like cool orange ducks with cool. awesome armor, and I always wanted them because it was just a completely random creature made up. That's the, that um, is one of the things that um this is this is going to lead into a uh, a. T a topic I have written down for the second segment today, so we'll we'll, we'll probably call duck it back. Duck creatures? To yes, duck <laughs> creatures. No, I'm talking about like you know those older Final Fantasy games. 
Oh, um, okay. Yeah. There's... Tactics so, I played, sorry. Yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics, I was about to say. That, that sounds like FF Tactics. Um, for me, the first Final Fantasy game I played was Final Fantasy X. Um, and really? That's pretty late. Wasn't that awful? It, it was. It was on the PS2. Yeah, that one came out in early two thousands. I, I like. I wasn't big into the Final Fantasy games. I played. So, saying that's the first one I played is a little bit. That's that's kind of not true. I had okay. a friend who had Final Fantasy VII for the PlayStation One, but I didn't have a PlayStation One as a kid. Right. It was the first one that you owned and got to play through properly, as opposed to just. Having a one-off kind of thing. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah, I had a, uh, I had, I had a Nintendo sixty-four as a kid. Yeah. Ah, uh, I, I watched uh, a video on Reddit recently of uh, some wife bought her husband a, a Nintendo sixty-four, and the look on his face was just priceless. There's definitely a generation. Yeah. That is just like, oh my god, the Nintendo sixty-four was the best thing since sliced bread. I, I, I am gonna circle it back to the the. The topic, though. Yes, no, no, oh. no, 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 no. The Nintendo sixty four was a very good place to circle it back, because oh, okay. I, that is that is like the very first era of like you know three D polygonal graphics. So you have right. some games. I think of the N sixty four that, while the gameplay and stuff still hold up very well, the graphics are uh, a little painful yeah. to look at. Um, and I'm gonna piss people off saying this, but I think Mario 64 is a good example of this. Like, really? Yeah. Okay, go on. I mean, <laughs> Mario's nose is like a square in that game, and he just right. like it just it it's. I mean, it looks a bit rough, but the but it can still be fun. But I think you need to have that nostalgia factor. I I personally know I do, but you know I don't want. I mean. By that same logic, though, everyone knows about the low polygon count of Lara Croft in Tomb Raider. But that <laughs> was... Every, that, you, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, she uh, she was very well endowed. Um, it, yes. Um, that that always became like a, a meme, as it were, on its own. So uh, much so years. that they put a, um, like a fake cheat code into one of the games that like you could, you know, Take her top off. Really? With a certain, oh my god! They they said you could take her top off with a certain button combination, but if you did, she exploded and you lost. Oh and you had yeah, to... I've actually heard about that. Yeah, so it was the developers just messing with people. Like they they oh, they leaned in. It. it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but again, that was that was a PlayStation One game, so I I never got to play it myself. No. Yeah. Again, that was. I mean, I, I played lots of places. I loved PlayStation One far more than PlayStation Two, but. Uh, yeah, a lot of those shooting games at that time were mm. above my age range. Um, I was yeah. playing Penguin games and Buster Move, if you know what that was. Yep. Oh my! So not only do I know what Buster Move was, so it's no no mystery that uh, I think I've I've told you this before, but my my mother was a bit of a gamer as well. Oh um, yes, yes. To the yes. to the point where when we had uh, Halo like, Master, I've heard. <laughs> not not so much, but she did quite embarrassingly for one of my friends beat him in a match in high school. We uh, we paired him up with his girlfriend who wasn't very good at Halo, but neither was my mother. And we paired my mother up, who had never played before, with one of my friends who's actually quite good at the game. <laughs> and she, 
everyone is like behind her, like coaching her along, and she actually managed to uh, to, to kill him a few times, and it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but no, in the the NES era, she actually had her own NES, and um, I had an N sixty four, but she had the game Bust a Move for the N sixty four, and she yeah. those were her her style of games. Like she played Centipede. She played Bust a Move, and I can't remember what she had on the NES, but she she played a few games on that too. But it was much more those like um, arcadey puzzle. Co- oh, Pac Man! She had Pac Man. Uh, I could never get along with Pac Man, but <laughs> yeah, like even my 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 grandfather used to play Bust a Move with me and my brother. Like, yeah, it was that much of a literally anyone could play it. It was just you know pretty pictures and smiles. <laughs> yeah, you you go back. I think th- thinking about like games that have held up. I think when you go back to that two D era, the arcadey kind of game, because they were trying to appeal to as many people as possible, uh, yeah. rather than trying to push technology. And mm. back then, I think you go back to any of those games, pick them up again, and start playing. Um, they're really they're still just enjoyable. Mm. I mean, we, we I mean, even, was... look at Tetris. We're still playing that. Oh yeah, I mean, I never played Tetris because I didn't really understand it. I wasn't, I couldn't fit them together quickly as a kid. But there was, yeah, there was definitely a point where I started playing Tetris and Minesweeper. Got really into Minesweeper. Holy moly! Oh god. Um, which is just like the saddest thing. But it's weirdly using. You have to use your brain hmm. if you want to be really good at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's or it can just be a chill thing. Yeah, you can either take it at a, a decent pace, or you could try to go for a good time and something like that. Mm. Yeah, I think my the the two first games that I played a lot of because um so my very first video game console period was a Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, like the original right. one, and I got it as a hand-me-down for one of my cousins out in the Midwest. Uh, a he SNES. Had... No, 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 no. He got a SNES, so I got his old NES. Right. What's it, the Nintendo Entertainment System came out in nineteen ni- or nineteen eighty-five? Yeah, the original one. The the. I mean, the... bear in mind that was like twelve years before I was born. Well, yeah, it was three years before <laughs> I was born. <laughs> so, but it was. I'll sh- here. Let me um. Well, fill fill airtime while I send you a picture of this so that you know okay. you probably have heard of it. Um, right. But you. I mean, I yeah. had a uh, well. My brother got a Nintendo sixty four uh, when I was must be about twelve or something, mm. and we didn't have many games, but we had Mario Kart on it, and I remember playing it as a twelve year old. I didn't really appreciate fine things. I could appreciate a game that was so old, but still played so well. Uh, yeah. The Mario Kart. I mean, Mario Kart's timeless, I think. Uh, Mario... Although, actually, these days, I don't think it's as good as it used to be. I think they've added too many stupid things to it, and it's kind too of Too many lost bells it. and whistles. There's a yeah. lot of games that have kind of fallen into that, that kind of trap. Um, mm. And I think that... that that is one of the reasons like older games tend to actually like really older games tend to hold up better because 
they were simpler. Like, they, they had a very, like, efficient and fun gameplay loop that you could go through over and over again and actually enjoy. Um, but yeah. getting, bringing it back to the, the NES, so I just sent you a, a picture of what it looked like. It, yeah, crikey, that's... Uh, yeah. That reminds me of the my, like, first computer, the, the <laughs> white box. Yeah, yeah. So... I had that. It was a hand-me-down from one of my cousins out in the Midwest. Uh, he had got a SNES, and that was the pre that predated the SNES. So he gave me mm-hmm. that and his older games. So my first games were um, the original Mario Brothers, like, and uh, Duck Hunt, which was where you had the, like the the laser light gun and you could shoot ducks on the TV screen. Did they remaster Duck Hunt? Because I know Duck Hunt. But I don't think I ever knew it came from a game this old, from a yeah. console this old. Yeah, it was one of the originals, so I, I don't know if they remastered it. They must have, because it was an insanely popular game. Was it a 2D side-scroller? or Nope. So, the way... Game. So, uh, Mario was a 2D side-scroller uh, platform oh, yeah. game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, you know that one. Duck Hunt, uh, so what it was, was you had like a field of, you know, polygon grass at the bottom there. Okay. And yeah. uh, yeah. ducks would, you know, fly up out of the grass and zigzag across the screen kind of slowly mm. and you had a light gun that you would point at the TV and when you pulled the trigger it would read the pixels around where you were pointing and see if it was the duck the ducks were very different colored from the background yeah and it would it, you would either hit them or not hit them and um you know the what five or six year old me was you know enthralled with this this game yeah. Um, I played quite a bit I of it. Be a... I mean, you Use could always guns online. <laughs> you could always you could always cheese the game by sticking the gun right next to the screen, but it was more f- satisfying to be further back and actually right. accurate. Yeah. Uh, Off this this has become the uh, the nostalgia segment. Well, yeah, I I was never a fan of. Well, I don't know. I think my parents weren't a massive fan of me using hunting games that kind of thing. I. I think there's probably a cultural difference between here and America, possibly. <laughs> Maybe just um, a little bit of one. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean... Uh, yeah, I never really played that kind of game. I, I, I think I wouldn't enjoy it now, not because... I I, I wouldn't in- dislike it because of the morals of it. I would think I would dislike it because I would not have the patience to do the whole slog through a jungle, use your special whistle, uh, take aim a very particular part, and if you miss, you have to chase it through. Oh, are you talking about like literal hunting? Well, no, I'm talking about uh, that's what games, hunting games are. Oh, yeah, 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 the the modern hunting. But I think that goes back to what we were just talking about, that, like, Hunting, sorry, no, games in general have kind of become overburdened with, like, so much extra crap. Like, you, yeah. in the, like, that that game that I just described, you know, duck flies up, you know, you shoot it. it. To make it more difficult, now two ducks are flying up and you have to shoot both of them. And there's a certain yeah. time limit, you get a score, but for how quickly you can shoot them, if you miss, you lose points, you have a certain amount of ammo, and that was it. That was the entire mm. game. And it was fun because of that. Now, These days. Like, yeah, like you're saying, yeah. it's you stalk them through the woods, you use a certain kind of whistle, you have to worry about what kind of rifle you're using. Is there bullet drop-off? Like, all of this... Ugh. Some of it... And there are so many kinds of bullet drop-off in so many different games. Maddening. Yeah. 
Yeah. How many yeah. different ways a bullet can fly? <laughs> All right. So before we, because we're we're gonna we could talk about like do this with games forever. I do want to briefly touch on movies and books along this same okay. line about how they've kind of with, with older ones that still hold up versus newer ones that or you know. What am I trying to say? That, that don't actually hold up. That people will watch yeah. and go like, wow, okay. that looks like shit. I don't remember it looking that shit. Um, okay. I'm going to start with... You, do you want to start with movies or books? Well, I've got one that's both. <laughs> okay, go for it. I was going to say, it. do you want to start with one or should I just launch it? Nope, no, okay. go for it. Go for it. I got one in mind, but I'll go after you. And I think it's one that you'll have strong opinions about, because I think everyone has. Yep. The Hobbit. Okay. Brilliant I... book. I read it as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, then several years later, the film came out, and it was very upsetting. <laughs> really? Okay. So I, I, I personally, I saw the movies first, and then I listened to the audiobooks. Um, ah. So I never actually read the books, but this was all later. Like, this was in the last few years. So I saw the movies... God, it was in the mid 2010s, so like 2014, 2015, 2016 kind of time frame. And right. the book I read, well, read, listened to on audiobook. Um, it was one of the one of the things I got to listen to while I was like traveling, so if I was on a plane or something like that. So it would have been like in the last couple of years that I listened to the audiobooks. Um mm -hmm. I've gone back and actually watched the movies before. I did enjoy them. Um, the books, I will say, having listened to both The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy on audiobook now, um, there's quite a lot of uh, just nothing happening in those books. Yeah? You think so? I, I really do think... There's, there's quite a few chapters where they're literally just like walking and walking and walking and then... They have a little bit of character dialogue, and then they're walking and describing the beautiful scenery. It's a very... I mean, if that's what you're looking... You might... It gives the impression of a long, epic journey, and like... Yeah. And there's that, that mystical and magical kind of element that goes along with it. Mm. And if that's what you're looking for, then the books do it... it the books are kind of, I think, a master class in it. <laughs> I, having seen the movies first was a little bored at times and it was a bit of a slog getting through them yeah. but but tell me no i, I want to hear your thoughts now that i've i've kind of uh given you because me not having read them as a ch child and having read the books after i watched the movies that's my take on them yeah well much like any uh, books that have been turned into movies of course they have to cut things out but i feel like they really did just cut out all the moments when something wasn't dying. Don't understand what I mean? I uh, can, yeah. They, it's great to have these amazing action scenes, and I love them. Mm. But you have to have, dare I say it, like the lows to have the highs. That doesn't mean yeah. lows in it being a bad moment to have a good moment, so much as when they are passing through those peaceful glens and they're seeing this amazing thing that they just stop to look at or whatever, uh, and then you have the 
then being captured by the trolls, and then the whole sequence where spoilers for the movie uh, and the book. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's a Lord of the Rings. I mean, yeah, it's, there, there's, saying, there's but... going to be trolls. Um, but the the way that the trolls are defeated and yeah, I don't know. I the it was such a, a beautiful piece of work, I think. Okay. I... And maybe it was just the fact that it was a book. Hmm. I think it was better laid out as a book. I don't think it needed to be made into a film. Okay. I, I, so I can... I kind of maybe... Let me organize my thoughts for a sec. I see what you're saying there. And I, I actually agree with most of those points. Um hmm. There, there were, but there were parts in the book. So there were parts of the, I know the parts you're talking about, like how the trolls were defeated and whatnot. I did like the book version better. Um, and you're right. In the movies, they did like cut out a lot of that downtime just so that like they. But because the book was so long, I think they had to cut out almost all of the downtime. So it seems like they're going to like action yeah, to action to, to action to action. And you do need that downtime to appreciate those those peak moments of action. But when I think of the movie, the, the action scenes are actually some of the, the least memorable parts for me, which I think probably says a lot about why I did end up going through the entire book, um, despite the kind of slow bits kind of dragging on for a little bit for me. Um, like, my favorite part of all of the Hobbit movies, my absolute favorite, is at the very, very beginning, where all the uh, the dwarves are coming into his house. Yeah. And, the, like, all the singing and the eating and just, like... And then at the very end when they're singing that kind of, like, sad, like, song about the mountain and everything. Oh, yeah. So that, that's not a big action piece in the book or the movie. But I really, really enjoyed just that whole sequence in the movie. That's that's something I actually preferred in the movie compared to the book. But yes. the part you're thinking about, the, the one where, you know, the trolls of... Uh, spoiler that alert... The trolls have captured some people from the book. I'll keep it relatively spoiler-free. Have captured some people, and one of the main characters has to think of a clever way to get them out. I do definitely prefer the way they handled that in the book versus the movie. Because the book was more Hello? cleverness. The book, the movie was more um, Hollywood. If that makes the, sense. The music you brought up. I won't lie. I had the I don't I'm not sure what the official song was officially called, but the uh, Fire on the Mountain song. Yeah, that was I was singing that for weeks. Oh my god, yeah. Did well, so well. The thing is, I one thing I really like because I I did listen to an audiobook. They actually picked out a guy that did the audiobook reading. Not only had a a wide range of voices he could do for the characters, he could actually sing. So he sang the songs that were in the book. The the guy mm. doing the audiobook reading, which. I think added a lot to me, you know, listening through it. It would have sucked if the guy couldn't hold a tune in a bucket. Yeah, and uh, oh, one of the other things that kind of surprised—I I truly don't want to stay stick on the Hobbit for too long—but mm. they got to the mountain with uh, the dragon. Yeah, so much faster. Like, in my opinion, it felt like the book was. Two thirds them getting to the mountain, and then maybe a third or less uh, actually in the mountain. That's what I can kind of remember it from the yeah. book. So th this they was... go on, did go like on. the whole journey in one film, and then spent two whole films 
just in the mountain. I, I I know what you're talking about, and this is this is why I think I remember so much more of the very first movie and so much less yeah. of the other two. It, it's almost like they decided after the first movie to make it a trilogy. Because um, if they were going to make it a trilogy, because like, the book was only one book. Like, The Hobbit was one book. The Lord of the Rings trilogy actually was three books, and they had three movies. The Hobbit was one book that they made into three movies, and it was a shorter book, I think, than the the later Lord of the Rings book. Some fan out there of Lord of the Rings is going to be pissed at me for saying that. I might not be right. But either way, it's one book that they chunked out into three movies. And if they were going to make it that long, like have three movies to tell that one book, they could have kept in some more of the subtlety that you're talking about. So, but but instead, they like made the first movie and they chunked everything down to make the journey faster. And then when they got to the mountain, they're like, "Oh shit, we want to make a third movie too." So they had to stretch that out. It yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it was poorly planned. Uh, is a good way to put that. And the people doing it were people who didn't necessarily understand books, and maybe they worked on too many big Hollywood movies. Yeah, you said you had some uh, other books that were... I had one book in particular. Topic. Yeah, one book in particular okay. that I was thinking of. And again, this is one I listened to on audiobook, so keep that in mind. But uh, The Count of Monte Cristo, have you ever read it? Heard of it? Not read it. It's a pretty old one. It came out in like 1848 or something like yeah. that. Um, so a lot of the references and things are dated in it. Um, I personally really enjoyed the book, but it's another one. It it kind of shows how writing at the time was different <laughs> than now because they spend tons and tons of time talking about, um, you know, political situation, uh, peerage yeah. ranks, and, like, the way nobility were dealing with each other and just... In idle conversation, just it literally was like a slices of these people's everyday life, and they use that to characterize the characters. It, it's one of those things that, in I think, in a modern book, um, would annoy people. Oh, but good. because the book was at the period, I think, uh, and a lot of the references don't make any sense to, to modern readers because they spend so much time going through them. I think it actually helps. Mm-hmm. Um, to understand what the hell's going on in a lot of sections. But I'll admit, there were there were times going through the book where I literally just zoned out and was listening, and it's just like, yeah. I, I understand that this character's talking to this other character, I don't give a crap what they're saying. But the, the book itself, very, very good. Um, yes. That's good. Well, you, I'm sure you remember a short while ago, I was reading quite quite a few of the older books because mm. uh, I read through Phantom of the Opera uh, and that was a brilliant book, I would recommend that book uh, yeah, I've never that was... sorry? I've never gone through it so yeah, that's ah. something that I need to and I remember we talked about this at the time that was written in 1909 mm. so a bit, a bit later but um, and I enjoyed that so much I went on to read uh the Three Musketeers, another excellent book. A little bit longer, and I feel. Uh, but and then I went on to because I heard about it so much, and especially from Duncan, mm. in the server. 
Yeah. Uh, Les Miserables, which is actually uh, written one year after The Count of Monte Cristo, apparently. I didn't realize it was a book. Like, I knew it was yeah. a musical, and I've obviously seen the movie. I love the movie. I didn't realize it was a book as well. Yes, the um, 1845 it was released, and so I was listening to an audiobook, because, you know, when you get busted everywhere all the time, it's a good thing to do. Uh, The opening section, I never got past the opening section, because the opening section is so many hours long. (laughs) And it, I'm sorry for people who love it, but it is dreary as all hell. It's a, it's it follows like a priest. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming he's just a really good priest. He's he's a really nice guy. He helps out people in his village, and it goes on like that for hours. Is it the priest that helps out Jean Valjean? Yes. Okay. Uh, Jean Valjean arrives after X number of hours as um, as this criminal hooligan that no one wants to be associated with and then the priest and the priest lets him into his house yes okay so that that's so basically it starts off like okay so it starts off that's interesting it starts off following the priest because he's a relatively minor character in both the movie and the musical okay (laughs) maybe that's why <laughs> oh, hell. It, and there's so many, so many names it throws at you, and I'm terrible at remembering. Oh my god, that was the problem I had. Again, going back, that was the problem I had with Count of Monte Cristo. There were tons of character names, like tons yeah. of them. So another. I mean, bo- maybe if they were like modern day names, like it would have been at the time. Yeah. Then they'd be more memorable. But when they're saying French names from the 1900s, it's just like in one ear out the other. So many fucking noises are popping in in the background of this. I really need to be a little bit less professional. Xbox, turn off. More professional, do you mean? No, I mean less professional. Because it, at this point, it's a shit show, so just, you know. Deal. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, that's fine. I think the lawnmower's going to be starting soon anyway. Outside. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now that, now that the Xbox has been shut up, um, so that was honestly a problem that I had with um, Count of Monte Cristo 2 was, again, just names and names and names. And by the end of the book, I was starting to figure out who some of the people were. But going through it, I probably needed a, like a flow chart to remember who all of these people yeah. were. Um, it's, it's not so bad when you're listening to an audiobook because generally they put on voices quite often. Yeah, yeah, and you can kind of... Characters. Yeah. yeah. But, but when there's 38 characters in the story... <laughs> then the guy's gonna run out of voices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so another book um, that I both I own a physical copy of, and I also tried going through it with the audiobook, and I failed both times to finish it. Was War and Peace. Um, yeah. It's it's another one of those classic books. It's set in like um, like uh, Czarist Russia after I want to say either the Franco-Prussian War or before it right do you have a general date uh, like 1800s the book mm-hmm. came out I think in the late 1800s and it was set earlier I I honestly it's about like you know the the you know war and peace between these great nations and how it yeah. focuses again I've mostly on the... heard of it. yeah it's 
it's a book that I've heard is a classic. It's one of these big, like, thick books about just politics and strategy and these inter, right. like, uh, yeah. I don't know how people, I, I'm, I'm, court courtly politics. That's the word I'm looking for. And okay. I've gotten probably about, so the audiobook is broken up into two parts because the thing is absolutely massive. And it's actually sold in two parts on the audiobook form because it's so massive. It's just basically wow. like, it's something like 70 hours long. Jeepers. I, I may be exaggerating that, but it's, it's a ridiculously like long number of hours. The physical yeah. book is like a fucking dictionary. The thing is oh, enormous. Um, quick thing. I just looked at, cause I got audible off my phone. Hmm. Uh, Lame is is sixty two hours long. Yeah, so I, I'm probably not exaggerating when I say this thing is <laughs> probably <yeah>. not. <laughs> um, but it's it's an absolutely enormous book, and I was enjoying it. But it's something that you need to listen to continuously because just like those other two books, they send like they throw characters at you, they throw names at you, they throw the polit like politics and locations and all these details that are. I think important but they're hard to keep track of everything if you like listen to the book for say two hours on Monday and then like you know three oh, hours God, on yeah, Saturday yeah. and then if you're listening to it every day then you can probably keep track of it but if you take a break in between it you're gonna lose track and go like who the hell was this guy again mm. <laughs> like I and I think that's something that has changed moving to like a modern setting with things a lot of media now is more streamlined and I think there's definitely an audience for that old style where you have tons of detail, tons of characters and just this this massive world but a rich atmosphere yeah but it's presented very differently now and I think it's done so for a reason because a lot of people for better or for worse uh, have a hard time parsing through all of that like thick detail and information So, that's, I think, we're actually coming to uh, 38 minutes here, so I think that's a good place for us to end the first segment. So I'm going to do mm -hmm. kind of a little, like I said at the beginning, I'm going to do a bit of a soft outro here. Uh, this, if you're listening on Monday, the 24th, this is where this segment is going to end. Um, but if you're listening to the complete thing next Saturday then um, you're going to be able to just keep listening and there's just going to be a little bit of a click because I'm going to turn the recording off and then turn it back on again for segment number two. So uh, I can get more coffee. Good God. <laughs> I need a little bit more tea as well. All right. Yep. Thank you for listening. And um, if you're listening to the full thing, you'll hear us in like... And we're back. So if you're listening to this on the individual segments, this is segment two. It should be coming out on Wednesday if I can actually keep track of a release schedule. And if you're listening to the main podcast, you heard us disappear like maybe two seconds ago. Um, yeah. Segment two, uh, also a stable segment. First one, topics. Second segment is always just us talking about any kind of media. Could be games, could be books. Uh, just kind of a free discussion with an emphasis on things that we've seen recently, either both of us or one of or, or just one of us that we actually liked. Um, so only mildly different than the first topic from today because we were talking about like media specifically and how it aged 
or didn't age well. Uh, so this one, I wanted to get this started right off the bat with a, uh, <laughs> a show that I know we've both watched that I finally finished. Uh, over my little brief holiday to the beach, I finished Peaky Blinders, finally. Season 5. Oh, really? Yeah, I finally got to the Without end of it. Me. <laughs> Have you not? I thought you had finished it with Alicia. No. Oh God damn it! Well, Remember, I can't watch it in my country. I mean, what? Wait, wait, you still watch it. They, they still don't show. <laughs> wait, did they change that? I don't know. I don't know. I thought uh, maybe it had been long enough. Laugh for a second, watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, a little bit of background to this: Peaky Blinders is a show set in the like the post World War One era in the UK. So, like from the late like 1919 all the way up to like the 1930s um and it follows this uh, street gang in kind of the the northern areas of england um birmingham if i remember right and they're like kind of this uh, gang that's famous for carrying razor blades in their flat caps and they you know cut people with them uh in their gang fights uh it follows in particular these three brothers um the shelby family and uh the Peaky Blinders is the name of the gang. And it just, you know, follows them through their exploits, how their their struggles, you know, inter-gang conflicts as they try to build up their small street gang into something bigger and more legitimate. Uh, <laughs> what Blue's talking about there, um, season five came out, and <laughs> in the US, I could watch it on Netflix, but not in the UK. You have to watch it on the BBC when it comes out on TV. Yep. The place where it's set, and it's all about can't freaking watch it. It's a tragedy. Tragedy? It was a tragedy and a travesty in one. It's that bad. <laughs> a tragedy. Uh, You've invented a new word. Yes, your royal tragedy. Uh, <laughs> the. Hang on. So, do you have season six over there? No. So season six is coming out over here. It's also going to be released before it is in the UK. By the way. Okay. How many episodes are there in season? Five. So only six. Uh, every season is oh. like six, like one-hour episodes. I think they must have released it in the UK now, then. Because okay. I it... can see five episodes, uh, six episodes. Sorry, season five. <laughs> it only took them three quarters of a year. And the plague. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. think that's probably what did it, honestly. Yeah, trying to like get it out, give people. There's been a big push these days to get people more like in-home entertainment, since people aren't going out to see entertainment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I finally finished the whole thing. That's actually good news. We can um, actually finish it then. Maybe on one of these movie nights, um, you can catch up. Yeah. Uh, but I did, so I won't spoil anything then. Um, but the ending is uh, pretty intense. Right. It is a. I think I'm. Yeah. I think I'm on the last. We got the last episode, I'm pretty sure. So um... if I remember right. There was the big the big party at his house with the, the performance, right? Yep. And then there was Molly Polly sorry, Polly shot the Yeah, don't the lady that we don't like. Yep, yep. And uh did we get into the next ep I thought we got into the next episode because I seem to remember um some of the stuff that was going on simultaneously in the next episode. Yeah. That next episode is the last episode, I think. And well, we got halfway through it and you passed out in the chair. <laughs> This is what we get, yeah, we, we're watching this at, like, what is it, fucking one in the morning. I was drinking my whiskey, yeah. and yeah, I, I, well, <laughs> I fell asleep. Well, one in the morning for you, 6am for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, probably a bad decision. 
but there's yeah. a reason we're talking about like kind of in vagaries around this this series because I do highly recommend it. Um, oh. And it's it's maintained its quality like into the later like some shows kind of fall well. off. They have weak seasons. They have strong seasons. I'd argue like season three might be a little bit weak. Definitely better and worse season. Than yeah, than yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but most importantly, the first season is just oh, class. The first season, even if yeah, even if you don't keep watching, the first season is definitely worth a watch. It is a yeah. masterclass in like this new like TV used to be kind of where the shit like B tier, C tier actors went to, and then like the big Hollywood movies. That's where the, the A listers went. But now it's the other way around. Like people, they're finding out that people are like really capable and really interested in seeing these long form dramas that have like really good character development, really good you know cinematics, just really good like plot writing, and that can be maintained over multiple seasons. Um, and not necessarily these two hour blockbusters. Those are becoming more flash and spectacle. Whereas the TV dramas are actually having good writing and good character development and things like that. Peaky Blinders is a perfect example of that, I think. Yeah. Sorry, I've been looking stuff up while you've been chatting. Apparently, yeah. the, the season five was released in 2019. Season six is meant to be 2021. Okay. So taking two years to release it so I'm expecting good things. Yeah, I, I think that there's a certain global situation that might be a, a reason for their, them taking an extra year as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. that also makes yeah, I'm going to shut up because I'm really dumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that probably is it. Uh, God, I haven't even been thinking about that. Like, people who make computer games must well, not, not be loving it, but like, it affects them far less as a media than it does movies and well, TV shows. And... It, it has had some specific effects. Transitioning to, to games, actually. Two games that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Halo yeah. Infinite, because I'm a Halo fanboy. And Ugh. also, although they haven't done a really good one, in my opinion, like a really good one, uh, probably since Halo... Well, Reach. I would say Halo 2. Some people might disagree okay. and say Halo uh, 3. Reach was still a very good game, but it's where they started to move away from it being a Halo game. Because right. Halo is an where arena shooter. Too many bells and whistles. Yeah, Halo, again, it goes back to what we were saying in the earlier segment. Too many bells and whistles. Halo was... Like, when Halo was at its apex, Halo 1, 2, and 3, like, they had... You know, a, a set variety of guns. They had vehicles, which were very well balanced and developed, um, except for the Halo One siege tank. Um, that one could destroy anyone except the person with a pistol, who could just pick the guy out of the driver's seat in like two seconds. Right. Um, this sounds like a spurious Kaiser fact, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine, fine. <laughs> I'll I'll stick to the point. Um, but Halo Infinite is still kind of moving in the same direction that I think Reach mistakenly took the, the series. They started adding all these extra enhanced mobility things where you could sprint, you could use a jetpack, you could um, do all this, this crazy stuff. And what they realized is yeah. that most people were just taking the sprint. So they made sprint a permanent part of Halo, which 
there are shooters where that is the like what you want, but they're typically the fast-paced kind of shooters, like your Call of Duties mm-hmm. or your Battlefields. Halo is an arena shooter where you should everyone. It's it's less about realism and more about like balance and consistency. And on that point, there's a real uh, flag that I see in games when. Uh, when you hit the shift key, whether it speeds you up or slows you down, defines the kind of game it is. So, <laughs> CSGO, you walk at the fastest speed like normal. If you hit shift, you, you start walking slowly. Yeah, and there's less uh, audible movement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege, you, you, you start sprinting. COD, you start sprinting. Um, and I feel like they are a lot more... Too fair don't think Rainbow Six Siege is a run-and-gun game, but I think it really has... Like, everyone says, oh, you can do all these incredibly cool kills, and you can hmm. if you're on the defending side. Yes. If you're on the attacking side, you've got, you've got to be the one that walks... you got to be the mouse that walks through the traps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're blowing shit apart, in my case, breaking do. doors open with hammers. Yeah, it does become a run-and-gun game. That is what it is when you're on the attacker side, I feel like. Yeah. So we're, we're I'm going to bring us back quickly because yes, we are getting off in the weeds. The reason I brought up Halo Infinite was because you were saying mm-hmm. that the, the game developers probably affected a little bit uh, less. Um, and the reason that I mm. think that's... It's true to an extent because you are able to, to work uh, from home a lot of the time, but you also need this powerful development hardware. So we're seeing games like Halo Infinite being delayed by like months it was going to come out holiday season this year. You've got games like uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which I am super stoked to play that game. Are you? I am so excited to play. Well, okay, these are the, this is the developers that made The Witcher 3, and that game was fucking spectacular. I absolutely love that game. getting flashbacks to No Man's Sky. I, there is so much hype for this game. And that, that I is think one it's thing... going to like Watch Dogs. Unlike No Man's Sky, though, so No Man's Sky, that game, there was tons and tons of hype, but it was an indie, an untested indie developer that had, like, all this, this funding, that, like, behind it. Same thing with Watch Dogs. It was, like, it was, like... No, it was, Watch Dogs was a triple A, wasn't it? It was a triple A game. It was a triple A game, and it had, but it had so much hype, all these teaser trailers and commercials and this cool stuff around it, and it ended up being just, like, a Grand Theft Auto knockoff. With some yeah, hacking mechanics thrown in. Grand Theft Auto <laughs> like, um, But my point is, Cyberpunk, I think the hype is earned. Because this studio, we've like I've watched them for a while. Like They made Witcher 1. It was a really rough PC game with a lot of complex mechanics in it. But very good story. Very well done uh, game. Well, I won't say well done gameplay. The gameplay was kind of an ass. But it, it was deep and complex and at least consistent. Um, yeah. But if if a little clunky, Witcher Two fixed a lot of that. It streamlined a lot. There was still some rough bits, but the story still great. Witcher Three, excellent gameplay, excellent story, excellent graphics. It was just a masterclass, um, and it had a bunch of extra bells and whistles like most modern games. But they didn't feel like they held the game down. Like there's this whole like mechanic around using potions and oils and things that only becomes relevant at the higher difficulties. I just played the game on normal and ignored it 
because that wasn't my thing. I liked the sword combat with a little bit of the magic in there, and I really was there mm. for the story and the a bit of the exploration in it. So I didn't, I, I ignore, you were able to kind of ignore certain mechanics, but not others. Um, right. Anyway, I'm, I'm, yeah, get, again, like I'm getting off in the weeds a little bit again, but the game itself was, so I think them now making Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk is like, it's got a, a rich story to it because it comes from like the, the tabletop game, Cyberpunk 2020. Ironically, yeah. the game that came out in like, I think the 80s or 90s, it was set this year. <laughs> They were thinking there was, uh, I think they had a little bit too much ambition for what the future was going to look like. But it's, so it's got that story background and they've clearly like cut their teeth and have been improving game after game. So I personally think the hype around this game is earned instead of mm. it just being artificial like it was with No Man's Sky. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm still. If, if it turns out like. Uh... Oh, what was that game called? It was so good, I forgot the name. Um, <laughs> the De Deus Ex... Uh, oh. Uh, yeah, Mankind's Deus Ex Revolution. Well, hold on. So there's there's three games. Oh, no, four, actually. Um, so there's the original, Deus Ex. Then yeah. there was Deus Ex Invisible War, which was a yeah, meh game. Um, the that. first one was like revolutionary at the time. It was a PC game. Um, yeah. but it was one of the first ones to introduce like RPG mechanics to a shooter. Um, yeah, and very good. I've played it, uh, but it's going back to our earlier segment. It's one that probably doesn't hold up too well. It kind of looks like the whole thing was, uh, you know, made two or three years earlier than it actually yeah. was because it was kind of rough. Uh, but then they made Mankind: Human Revolution, which was That's the first. One. That was a that great was a good game. game. It was. I. Agree. I... I can't say about the... Actually, I've played the one after that, and I played about an hour of it, and I wasn't impressed. Yeah, Mankind but, Divided. That's I didn't like that one very much either. I, but, I bought it, actually, when it was on Super Sale uh, around the same time you did, and playing through it, I was yeah, I wasn't impressed either. The um, Yeah, the third one, though. Oof. I, it's, it's, it's a real mark of a good game when... It's, it's, it's fully a story game. It's completely story. Uh, even the side quests are story. Yeah, and I must have played through the whole thing six or seven times at least, and it's not a short game. No, no, it isn't. Because uh, I wanted to try all the different ways of doing it, and don't get me wrong, the ending is pretty lame. I won't spoil it. Yeah, the basically, uh, if you can picture this, yeah. you you get to the end, and there's the ending Tron three thousand, where you just push yeah. a button and you get an ending. It's the Mass Effect effect. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but th no, that that that's kind of that's my my idea of uh, the twenty. Was it something twenty twenty? What was it? <laughs> Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is the game. That's, that's the one. Close enough. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I kind of think it, it's going to be like Deus Ex on steroids, or it's going to be Watch Dogs. Yeah. And I really hope it's Deus Ex. <laughs> I really do as well. I, I do as well. Because everything I've seen about the game has looked good. Mm. And I know the studio has some solid, like, branching storytelling chops behind it. And it's actually got the backing of the guy who made the Cyberpunk tabletop game. Like, he has been consulting with right. them on it and working with them on it. And everything about it looks like it's... It looks like they're, they're swinging for the fences. Because... 
the game was supposed to come out this spring um but then it got delayed because they're like the games and i love this about the studio they're like the game's not done we don't want to release it you know kind of half-baked and patch it later we want it to be ready when we release it so they delayed it till september now with the whole um situation again i'm avoiding this because this is going on i'm avoiding saying the actual word because it's going on youtube and uh they don't like uh talking about that yeah um because of that they've delayed it further so now it's coming out this like late this fall some i think it's november sometime but i'm really looking forward to honestly they could delay it another three months and i wouldn't care as long as it comes out how they want it to come out because i actually unlike most big name studios these days i actually trust these guys because they've made quality games before and they seem to give a crap about what the fans of the games actually say Mm. Um. Yeah, it's always um, very obvious when a publisher listen has been listening to the fan base, mm. and there are some golden examples of where where people have done that, and it's uh, like the, the 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 Sonic film. Oh yeah, everyone yeah. was like, "That hedgehog looks." disturbing <laughs> and they went through so much so much effort and cost and time yep to, to re yep to redesign it. yep and it was a really good film but i've really i still haven't seen it it's what i, I need to see it we too. say it's, this every week it's on my it's on my list but because because i, I remember following it at the time like i i don't typically go to the theater to watch movies at all um yeah. I typically wait until they come out on like either amazon or netflix or somewhere or somebody find or Previously, when I was traveling more often, um, when I was on a plane and they had movie selections there, I that is when I typically watch movies. So I, I knew I was never going to watch it in the theaters, but I was so happy when I saw that because the first one I was like, "Oh God, Sonic fans get screwed over again." Yeah. And uh, but they they did. They listened to the feedback, went back, remade the character, and made it actually look more like Sonic. And I've I've seen clips from the. Um, the new version of it and goddamn it looks good yeah it, it looks i mean in the age that we are it's it's obviously children friendly which means mm. that some of it's going to be a bit very it's mostly going to be very very pc yeah which is fine it's good but there's also apparently some very funny moments that it doesn't matter what age you are you can still enjoy it so uh, that's actually that's actually a decent transition. Um, we've we've moved neatly from video games into movies. Thinking um, j there's another movie I can think of that did did something very similar to that. Because what you're talking about is like it's safe for the kids, but there's there's some jokes in there for the parents too. Yeah. Another movie that I think did that extremely well <laughs> was Shrek, the original one. Yeah. Oh <laughs> god, the original was so good. No one really talks about it. I think the original was by far the best. Oh, it was. I, I, I absolutely loved that. I think when that movie came out, I was 10 or 11, maybe. Maybe a little mm. older. I was very young. <laughs> I, I can't remember. I think it came out in 1999 or maybe 2000, yeah. which means I would have been like 11 or 12. It um, was, yeah, VHS. We oh, had it yeah. on. But I absolutely loved that movie. And But I went back and watched it later as, like, in college. We had a movie night, and we we watched that movie. And sure enough, I saw things in it, and I'm like, oh, I didn't get this as a kid, but that's fucking hilarious. 
Yeah. And so but, adult jokes. Yeah, yeah. There was there was like the the fact that the the Lord in it was named Lord Forquard or Farquard, but if you say it fast, Fuck it's Lord, Lord Fuckwad. Is, I what mind blown. Did you I not know that you never life. picked that up? I haven't seen it in like half my life. <laughs> so they say it in a in a British accent, so it's like Lord Farquard. And so oh my God. as that a was kid, the perfect pig's accent. You know the three little pigs. That yeah, was that yeah. accent. That, well, that's oh. that's what I'm thinking of. Is they, they say it like that, and when I heard yeah. that as an adult, I'm like, oh my god, his name is Lord Fuckwad. <laughs> wow. No, I never. Yeah, no, Fuckwad. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm never gonna hear it differently anymore. Holy moly. But again, but that again, that's another movie that I think it was a a masterclass in showing that mm. like it was a movie made for children, mostly. Yeah. But it was a, it was a family movie because. There were jokes in there for the adults as well. Yeah, I but... mean the the freaking love affair between the dragon and the and donkey. <laughs> I mean that whole thing is is very. <laughs> I'm gonna, but uh, at the same time it's very PG the way they did it. It um, is. It is. Ah. Uh, as well, to how they like in later films made donkey dragons. Yeah, they they. A bit weird. <laughs> They they go a little bit like far with it, like in, yeah. they, they were they were stretching things by the later movies. But I think there's a reason for that. Like they were trying to cash in. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, like adorable donkey dragons, obviously going to be adorable. But movie, I think movie two a bit disturbing. Shrek two probably had justification for existing. It was you know it wasn't as good as the first one, but they they Shrek kept the plot going. Good, yeah. yeah, they they, yeah. they had the whole fairy godmother subplot and you know I going think, to meet the parents and everything. I kind of see it as a whole different genre. Uh, mm. I I I think it must have been quite far apart to be made. I think it must have been several years. I think it was only like a a couple years, maybe. Really? Yeah. I I'll accept what I'm talking, but okay. um. Yes, the, the, the whole Shrek 1 feels like a whole different world to Shrek 2, and yet they were both excellent films. Yeah. Um, well, I'll agree with that. Yeah, the, the, the feel of the movies was entirely different, because oh, the first shit, one, right. how, how far apart were they? So Shrek, the original Shrek was 2001. I thought it was, bef it was before 2000. I thought it was like oh. the 1990s. Alright, 2001. Yeah, that, that means I would have and been twelve or thirteen. Okay, Go on. I would I, I would have been four. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shrek two is two thousand and four, so three years apart. That's really not that long. Yeah, uh, yeah, two thousand four. Yeah, it's three years. Three years. Yeah. It also uh, probably explains why um, Shrek two probably. I didn't have that same revelation watching it again as an, as an adult, um, because no. I was still basically a kid when I watched the first one, but by the time Shrek 2 came out, I was in high school and I was a teenager, so, like, I, I probably got most of the more, uh, the, like, the, the hidden things, so I didn't have that same perspective that I had on the first one. Yeah. But I think... This is probably a very neat transition um, to one of the other things I had on my list. Um, so you know how Netflix has been doing this? It, maybe they haven't in the UK, but in the US they've been putting out these kind of mini documentaries uh, that are several episodes long. 
one of the ones the first ones they did that i remember is uh the toys that made us and it's going mm -hmm. through kind of the history and the impact of different like toy right. brands like transformers gi joe barbie and how they've kind of affected culture how they were originally developed how media spawned out from them how how uh psychopaths were typically cuddle me elmo fans oh god yeah. cuddle me elmo was creepy as fuck so was furby actually was he? Uh, i mean i know furbies were i i did not like furbies possibly because of watching gremlins <laughs> um i see I, my my toy as a kid, I was I was a Transformers kid. I had Transformers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. But just before we leave Furbies, mm. right? I don't like them. Uh, e does like them, and one of my other friends uh, from a while back, they have they really like them, and they still like them, and they're making this thing called I think they might have made it now something called a long Furby. I don't I... know if you've heard of it. I'm sorry, a long Furby sounds like a sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, it most certainly is not. But I, I I haven't heard of it, no, but the picture I have in my head is horrifying. It's I mean, they they've unstitched like the body of the Furby. Right? Just and they've that... made it into this giant, like, long snake with the Furby's head on the end. God, just that sentence. Yeah, okay, that is the picture oh. I had in my head. That is wow. the picture I had in my head, and it horrifies me if it's what I'm thinking of. It, I um, mean, just look it up. I just. Oof. I may, um, in, in, in post, um, whatever video we put creepy. over this podcast, I may paste in the picture of what this thing looks like just for you know, the people oof. who are actually watching and not just listening to see. Just to induce those nightmares for people. Oh, yeah. I want this nightmare yeah. to be shared. <laughs> yeah, but then there's some people who look at it and they'll be like, oh, it's so cute! And for those people, they can stop listening right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> clearly you are a deviant. Go. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they're like, I don't understand how my friends... Because, yeah, these are people that I talk to and I'm like, how do... I thought I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyway, the reason I brought that up, the, the reason I brought up the toy one, is they've released a new one recently called High Score. Um, right. This I was hanging out. Yeah, I was hanging out with Raymond uh, yesterday, and while we were waiting for kind of the day to end, because it was a Friday, so he was still working, and mm. um, so was his uh, his his wife and our, our other friend hadn't arrived yet. So we, I was just kind of chatting with him, and I was watching stuff on his Netflix account while I waited. And um, oh, by the way, complete non sequitur here great prank to play on people uh go if you get access to their netflix account like at their house while they're doing something else watch a bunch of really terrible movies like sort by thumbs down find the worst ones and just start watching them and then stopping right. and watching them because they will get the worst netflix recommendations for like the next six or seven months we did this to my my friend tom uh, a few years back it was hilarious yeah. Because he fell asleep and we had access to his Netflix account. <laughs> That's um, such a good friend. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, we're, uh, Juan, when we were over at his place, he had an Alexa and we used it to just like add a bunch of like lube and fake dog testicles to his shopping cart oh, on Amazon. Dogs, what the fuck? 
Alright, they, they make... before this podcast, for everyone listening in, we were like, oh, okay, let's keep it pretty clean. That's... What I don't know what's... The fuck? It's a prank. It's a prank. They make fake dog testicles. They make, like, oh. replacement ones, and they sell oh. them on Amazon. And we... And I... We add them to his shopping cart. The long Furbies. Yeah, well, okay. I think the long Furby... The, that, okay. I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. Okay. So, the reason I uh, saw this show was I was at his place and I watched um, the the show High Score, like the first few episodes, and it was fascinating because mm -hmm. it was looking at the history of video games, like how they they started out, how they were like text adventures, and then they made like you know RPGs, how like the first Final Fantasy games were developed, where like the like Space Invaders came from, the transition from arcades to home consoles. It's a really fascinating series, and I just didn't know if your, like, UK Netflix actually had it, or if it was US only. Um, I don't want to say no, because I... I, I, I haven't seen it, I haven't mm. seen any of them, but at the same time, I do not spend... I'm, I'm mostly on YouTube, I don't watch too much Netflix. Right, I probably uh, would have never seen this thing if I hadn't been over my friend's house and it was recommended right. there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I, I I generally, every soften, every month or so, I'll have some epiphany where I'm like, oh my god, it's a really old movie that I really want to watch again. And, and then you go through like Netflix. One out of two and, chances, yeah, fifty-fifty yeah, chance that it will. I'll be able to watch it for free on Netflix, uh, which I love, by the way. Yeah. Um, and quite a few of our movie nights have come just straight from Netflix without yeah. having to pay any additional. Yeah, courtesy... It's not an investment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Netflix is in no way sponsoring this podcast. No, give us also, money, and then... speaking of, fuck you Amazon Prime for making it nearly impossible to watch things over your service oh, on the internet. God. Right. Um, like, if if we both happen to find, like, something free, then we can watch it, you know, but we have to watch it simultaneously. If we try to have a movie night, like a theater mode sort of deal, it does not work. They They block any kind of broadcast of it. Netflix... Thank you, because you do allow that. You legends. But still not a sponsor. Still yeah, exactly. I was not paid to, <laughs> to trash talk Amazon, and I was not paid to talk up Netflix. You just have a good service in Amazon Prime, where your service is normally good. When you want to watch shit with friends, your service is crap. Yep. Oh, so sorry. What was the point we were talking? About? I have no oh, idea. No, we were talking. We were talking about media, and I was talking about how I, I'd seen this new series on Netflix. We we yeah. really have. I feel like whenever this segment in particular, we are always going to get off in the weeds because it's just media in general. Oh, and... just you wait. You wait for segment three with the chaos that is Blue Bears time. I I actually I think the way that we've structured this, a little bit of inside baseball for y'all listening. The way that we've structured this podcast, I think it's going to get, like, progressively more chaotic as it goes on. Because in the beginning, we have topics. And then the topics, you know, we, we, we have a general unifying theme. Then we get to media. And then it's a little bit more of a free-for-all. But we still have that, that unifying theme of media. And then the last segment is just a wild card. Do you want a slight spoiler of this kind of topics that I have in mind right now? No, no, don't. Okay. Don't. We've, we've given them a taste. 
Okay. Don't give him too much. Too much. Too but soon. I do want to. I, 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 I don't want to go too far away from the actual purpose of this segment, and that's discussion yeah. of media. One yes. last thing that I want to talk about as we come to the end of this segment. Um, All right, hit me. And I'll, I'll let you do one last thing after this. Is okay. a trailer that Yi showed me yesterday, and um, that I was talking to Raymond about last night. He's apparently seen it too. Uh, there is a Chinese developed game that looks a lot like it looks like it plays a lot like uh, Jedi Fallen Order. It's called Black right. Myth Wukong. And if you know anything about like Chinese right. mythology, Wukong was like this he was like a monkey king, like a monkey, uh, like kind of a, oh. a supernatural deity, right? Right. I, I think, okay. He's what, he's what Goku is. Asian culture. <laughs> he's, he's what Goku is based off of in um, Dragon Ball. Is he the, 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 the monkey? He's got the monkey crown and he's like. He's got like a double sided staff. A, a two handed staff. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So they're, they made a game called Black King Wukong, and it's him, like, the, the trailer looks amazing. It's him running around and, like, you know, fighting off other supernatural deities and interacting with, you know, other, like, minor okay. deities and stuff. It looks yeah. like an excellent game. Also, deities. Not deities. <laughs> okay, so is this, is this like a potato-potato, tomato-tomato sort of deal? I assume so. We, we say, yeah, we say deities in the U.S., <laughs> You say, de oh. is it deities? You say, yeah, deities. This is this is a kind of cultural commentary you can expect on this podcast. Yes, I mean, let's not get into the whole telephone discussion again on the podcast, which oh, we just God. had. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if you're <laughs> if you're listening, though, look up what the the British call uh, the game telephone, um, because yeah. it's it's very different than in the U.S. Yeah, and. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, no, no. Like as a kid, we were told about that, so maybe yeah. it's not. I mean, assuming it's not acceptable anymore to say it. They, they've probably. Like, I, I imagine somebody has complained. Um, you know the, the the children's. Sorry, is this short section? But um, you know the children's rhyme, "Bar bar black sheep." Bar bar black sheep, have you any wool? Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, one. sir. Three. You know they've full. changed that, right? No. They've. It's now officially Bar Bar Rainbow Sheep. That's not a joke. Fuck. Podcast is over. I'm done. Going to, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna fucking bang my head against the wall until I'm dead. Uh, that's not a recent thing either. Like, oh, that, that was God. years back. Alright, let's save this Let's save this for the next segment. Cause... Yes, sorry. But, it's but too no, chaotic. But, but what, do you, what do you think about that, though? The... the um, the Wukong gameplay. Like, first of all, I don't think I can think of a single notable, like, like triple A looking game that has come out of China yet. I was talking to this about Yi, or I was talking to Yi about this yesterday, and neither of us could think of another game coming out of China that was like that polished. Um, like a lot I mean, of them were MMOs or something like that. There's not many countries that I can name that have like if someone to say name a famous Russian game, I would be like. Metro. Ooh. Oh, okay, that is fair. But I think it's actually yeah. developed by a, an Eastern European company, not by Russia. I think I think there's an Eastern European right. developer. I can't remember what country. I was going to say Glory to Ostotska, but I don't think that's... I think that's probably... <laughs> that, I you're think. talking about Papers, Please, by the way. So. Oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> the game is called Papers, Please. It's a, uh, for those that don't know, it's a basically a paperwork sorting simulator. 
you play a border guard to a fictional Eastern European nation named Arstotska. Uh, and it's supposed to be set around the time of the collapse of the Soviet Union when there's a lot of people trying to move between these newly created borders. Um, very good game. It's a lot more fun than it sounds. <laughs> yeah, it's minimalist. It's a very, very good game. Don't don't let the description fool you. Um, it's it's deceptively, like, um, what's the word? Uh, when you get pulled into a game, um, uh, immersive. Rolled immersive oh it's deceptively okay. immersive that's that's what i was looking for yeah it's and it's it's you can see that they didn't spend all their budget on graphics it's very much based on the, the theory and things behind it the story yeah. and the kind of way that people have had to live in these kinds of situations this is, yeah it's based on real life Calling, yeah, calling back to an earlier part of our discussion, it's very much a game that lives and dies on the atmosphere, story, and gameplay. The graphics are mm. kind of meh, but yeah. they don't need to be good because it, you know, it's a small indie game. Um, yeah, it's like Factorio. Factorio looks like garbage, but, but it, I have hours upon hours of playing it because oh, it's God. so intrinsically, uh, it's it's. I don't know. It's a st it's a statistics game. Um, yeah, it's a game about yeah, um, yeah, logistics and building up this very complex, uh, interconnected you know empire. Mm. Essentially, it makes you feel smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's something that I feel is it's a, it's a thing that games, at least for me, need to nail, like that that balance between challenge. And reward. Yeah, exactly. The thing, mm. make if it's a puzzle game, it you know it makes you feel smart because you're like, ah, I've solved this puzzle, and it, it builds you up to the more and more complex puzzles. But if yeah. it's like a shooting game, it's like you're fighting weaker enemies, and then you're fighting stronger enemies, and it, it like it builds up that skill in you. Um, yeah, the I think games. People say the games become a lot easier. Um, in modern day, and I would agree, but I think a better way of putting it would be games have become a lot more reward. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to explain everything that I'm saying in different okay. ways. But um, let, I Hold sorry. on to that thought, though. Okay. Um, because you know what? Explain it quickly, okay. then I'm going to give okay. you one more opportunity to talk about one more piece of media, and then we'll wrap up this segment, because we are okay. approaching 40 minutes. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so, games in the modern era, uh, they reward you a lot faster and with a lot more shiny things. So, playing ESO a lot recently, right? Yeah. Uh, you get rewards for logging, just, just being there on just a daily basis. <laughs> you just have to show then, up. Yep. You get your daily bonuses uh, for like doing particular tasks like on a regular basis and you get rewards for doing a dungeon once per day, you get rewards special rewards for doing a god damn it, what's it called? PvP oh, match yeah. once per day yep. on Factorio you get very little reward there is, there's no trophy actually I think they might have added achievements they, sure. they probably added achievements, but I, I know what you mean you have to like work hard just to get you have to iron really hard, yeah <laughs> and your reward is, you get like a cooler looking piece of equipment Yeah. 
<laughs> one single piece of equipment. You, you spend about 20 minutes trying to create a supply chain that automates mining iron and smelting it, and your reward yep. is you no longer have to do that manually. <laughs> or it's slightly more efficient, uh, or some of that. And so the, the reward is negligible, but it feels so much better because what you've done, the, the thing itself that you've done is tangible. You can see it there. It's so. It's, it's a this... masterpiece in itself. It's not just like something you've put in a box, it's whisked away and you're given, hey, have a present. It's shiny. It's the satisfaction of a good day's work. Exactly. Which most people who play games can't understand. That's why visceral cleanup detail is incredibly pleasing to play. But to anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's just... It's just... You're just mopping up someone else's mess yeah. on a digital platform you're getting paid for it nothing but it is so satisfying god when you finish mopping out that's where i'm going to finish yeah, well, one one quick point about that last bit there about visceral mm. cleanup detail for those that don't know there's an entire genre of games around just doing a job truck simulator train simulator farming simulator visceral cleanup detail is a good example um, even Papers, Please, there is a bit of a story to it and, like, progression and some other mechanics, but really, you're just a border guard and you're playing as a border guard. Yep. Like, there's there's an entire genre of games just doing very mundane jobs. And it doesn't mean people want to do those jobs. It's just people want to, to try, like, see a little bit of, into the life of what it's like. And... Yeah feel how good it could feel to complete uh, air quotation marks, a hard day's work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alright, well, so we are at 42 minutes. Do you have one other piece of uh, media, movie, book, game that you want to talk about, or you think you're you're good where we are? Uh, 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 I've been playing a lot of... Okay, right. Super fast one. I've yeah. been playing, the last two days, I've been playing Rayman Raving Rabbids 2. Ha! <laughs> I'm aware of that game. Um, I, I have never played any of the Rayman games. Any of them. Okay, it's the only one that's worth playing, really. Well, maybe the first one's also good. But, uh, it's, I can't even call it a childhood game, because I didn't think I was really a child when it came out. Uh, but it's one of these things I've returned to. It's a Wii game, one of the first games that was out on the Wii. Hmm. And it's just party games, and mostly the actions that you're doing are the same. But it's hilarious, and my god, does it ever, like, oh, my arms. I could, I went oh, out for right. a drink an hour after playing this game, and I could barely lift my glass of rum to my mouth. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was so tired from pumping my arm up and down, trying to, like, saw a branch in the game. Oh god, motion <laughs> controls, yeah. Like, I, I yep. had the Wii, we had a Wii in our college dorm, and um, I used to, like, as, it was a good workout, I used to use the Wii, I, I used to do uh, Wii boxing. Um, oh yeah. Was it fun. was just, you know, throwing punches and trying to get, like, high scores doing that, and I had a lot of fun with it, it was, it was a good workout. Um, yeah. Motion controls are, are an interesting beast, because to some people, they are the epitome of everything wrong. It's like you're moving in the wrong direction. Also, and... it's kind of like idiot bait, because how many times have you seen YouTube videos of people playing tennis or baseball or Wii Sports <laughs> yes. 
and just and they, destroying their TV. Yeah, they throw the controller through the TV or through the wall or something like that. I actually have a funny story. Uh. Um, my father, uh, and this will be the this will be the end of the segment. My father, uh, I brought home my Wii uh, when I was in college because I, I, I'd go back to my parents' place in the summer uh, when I wasn't at school, and we were playing Wii bowling. And my father was yeah. really getting into it, like you know, whipping the controller like he was he was uh, actually bowling. Yeah. And he, <laughs> we have a wood floor. He was wearing socks. He slipped on oh, one of them no. and just like. My father's a very big man. You know, he's he's something like six feet tall or something like that. And you, yeah. Decent Full amount man, of muscle. Not wide. Yeah, tons of a decent amount of muscle on him. He went off his feet and slammed into the floor. And, um. <laughs> but that's the thing. You really get into those types of games. Yeah. I remember you saying your. Uh, sorry, I know you said it did. I remember you saying your dad uh, was in VR. You showed him VR once. And yes. he was in like an imaginary bar. Yep, playing pool, and he, he the... lost his balance and tried to lean on an imaginary table and fell over. Oh. Like, he's... <laughs> oh, we've all been there. Yeah, he, he's a, like, he, he's always willing to try these types of games. He, he's the kind of person that I think that the, the VR and motion control games really appeal to, because it's, it's a video game, but it, it has that simulation, that feel of real life. Mm. And, uh, you get lost in it. Yeah. Like that—that's much more his his kind of game. And yeah, exactly, you get lost in it. He he'd play these games and he'd forget that he's playing a game. Um, mm. Which, like, it was always an absolute pleasure to me to like you know when I have that kind of equipment when I have somebody who's not typically a gamer and I let them try it out and they're like they love it. Anyway, we've mm. um, so we've talked for forty six minutes at this point. Oh shit, we've really everyone. Sorry, go yeah. go go. <laughs> So what I'm going to do, uh, just a quick outro again. I said this is the uh, end of segment one. We are going to wrap up this segment here. If you're listening to this segment when it first comes out by itself, it's going to be on Wednesday. Uh, the full podcast in its entirety is going to be coming out on Saturday. Um, so if you're listening to that version of the podcast, you're going to be probably about two, maybe three seconds without hearing the dulcet tones of our voice. Um... Otherwise, we'll see you on Friday when the third segment comes out. All right, and we're back for the third segment. Uh, for those of you listening on Saturday, this is going to... You've just heard my voice like three seconds ago. But for those yeah. of you listening on Friday, it's been two days. Uh, Thank back. God it's Friday. <laughs> so, the whole idea of this third segment is we wanted it to be sort of a wild card. So some some weeks we might, um, I don't know, it might be like, hey, we're going to play this game beforehand and then just immediately give our thoughts on it having not talked about it. Or it might be us just deciding to talk about food. Or it could be us <laughs> talking about, you know, drinks we like. It could be us talking about, like, I, I don't know. Madness, running. chaos, intrigue. <laughs> it could be literally anything. I, I wanted this to be a wild card. It could, it could also just be free discussion. If we don't have something planned, we might just talk about whatever we feel like, whatever's on our minds. Could be news. Yeah, um, uh, yeah some things are going to be more intense than other things. Some <laughs> things are just... I keep using the word thing. 
freeform discussion? Uh, 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 topics that are just totally freaking random things that I was thinking about, and I was like, maybe there's a conversation in there somewhere. Mm. Uh, so for a very good uh, reason, this first segment is going to be uh, of Blue's choosing, Be and the very good reason is I spent all of this week on a beach um, in the sun and doing no work because I was on vacation, so I didn't have time to think about this. Oh. Uh, so Pulling me in the middle of the night, slightly drunk. <laughs> that did happen. That did happen. I was <laughs> sunburnt and tanned and listening to the soft music, and I was like, I just yeah. need to talk to my good friend, Blue. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, so, did, 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 do you also have topics for this section? Or no? So, I have no topics. I have nothing at all okay. planned for this. So, I, I want oh, you to, to lead us in. Tell us what we are going to be talking about. Uh, okay, well, okay, to start it off, probably one of the weirder things that I have on my list. Uh, I was watching a program yesterday, and it was a, a, a dietary program. Uh, sounds boring as heck, right? And yeah. to be fair, it was pretty boring, especially to a guy who is, well... Yeah, you're basically I, ramrod thin. I am very, yes. Pretty dangerously so, but it's <laughs> so the point. So, there was... A, um, a person who was like some kind of food counselor, right? He was sat with these two people. Yeah. And he was <laughs> there were these raisins, alright? Mm -hmm. uh, and each person had a raisin. The counselor was like, right. Raisin is, the raisin is something you want. I want you to to savor the raisin by first of all, just, just give it a sniff, right? Close your eyes. Just sniff the raisin. Now just like, put it delicately on your lips and move it back and forth. It's a freaking raisin! Ah! Like, I get the idea of savoring something nice. But feeling the peng shui feng shi of a raisin... <laughs> peng shui is the word. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, like... Enjoy a piece of chocolate every so often. Your reward can be a single piece of chocolate as opposed to a bar of chocolate. Yeah. You still feel the reward of eating the chocolate. And yes. you would naturally eat it slower because you know it's the only one and you're enjoying and savoring the taste. Yeah. Don't yeah. give it a freaking raisin blowjob before you eat. Sorry, I didn't mean to say it like <laughs> it that. Doesn't, but... It doesn't matter. I'm not publishing these videos oh. safe for children. <laughs> Yeah, good. Okay. Um, before you eat it, that's just madness. Is it? I... So, this, this is actually something that I can, I can go into, too. I think we can, we can actually safely talk about this for quite a long time. Um, right. Yeah, you're right. That is f***ing insane. But there, there's, a, there's a trend of, like, people doing all the... It's like these, these lifestyle videos, right? Yeah. Like, the dietary video, the sniff it, taste it, you know, get yeah, a little the, lick, like, and then eat it. it. That was another thing, lick it. Like, it's a raisin. <laughs> it doesn't have a... <clears throat> the, not the outside, at least. Yeah, right. You bite into it, actually, I, I do like raisins. I don't like raisins. But, I mean, that's beside the point. Like, even if it was a piece of chocolate, it, I, people say that you meant to, like, let chocolate melt inside your mouth, and I can understand that, but I... At the so, same time, I like to save things. I don't like to wait a million years for it to melt. I, I, I think can't take that. What we're, we're talking about is like connoisseurship at that point. 
So sewership, connoisseurship. Like then, I what? Like a connoisseur, somebody who's oh, con- yeah, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I think my mic was cutting out there for you a little bit. The I studio like, one more. So <laughs> a, another little background detail: I'm using a uh, studio mic to record myself, but I'm using a headset mic for Blue to hear me. So occasionally I cut out for him, but not for you. So sorry about that. It's a wrap. But, yes, go on. So, but I think that there's a lot to that. Like you, you hear people talking about like any sort of indulgence, whether it's food, booze, uh, you know, something you smoke, something you, anything you really enjoy, really, um, like something that's not necessary for life but is an indulgence. So, like mm. I personally. Most of the people listening to this probably didn't know this at this point because our audience is localized to friend and friends and family at this point. <laughs> um, yeah. I enjoy whiskey. I really do. And there's a way to, like, you know, you you have to add, like, most whiskeys, you're supposed to add, like, a little bit of water. Either it's through ice or just, like, a drop of, like, you know, pretty purified water. Hmm. To bring out most of the flavor, and then you you sip it. You're supposed to roll it around in your mouth a little bit, enjoy like the flavors developing, and then drink it down. And then you feel like more flavors developing as it goes down your throat. Yeah, I'm not that. I'm not. I'm but not that the good. same is true for like wine. <laughs> like they actually have a what what is it? They're called uh, sommeliers, right? Those people who just like they know wine, they smell it, and they taste it, mm, and everything it like tastes that. oaky. Exactly. Yeah. I, I detect notes of cinnamon. Yes, I remember this story. <laughs> Go uh, on. I, do you want me to tell it? All right, fine. I'll... So, he's heard this story before, but we had a, a running joke uh, back in college. One of our friends, big wine aficionado, um, or you know, wine aficionado in in training, I guess you'd say, because you know, this this was this was college. And uh, we had a prank planned where we would um, just, you know, walk out to him like, well, he's uh, at, you know, at a party or at some kind of gathering and um, go like, hey, and he'd look over and we'd have like a bottle of really cheap wine and just pour it over our heads with our like, you know, head tipped up and just covered in wine. Just look back at him and go like, I taste notes of cinnamon. Because he hated that phrase. He absolutely hated the I detect notes of cinnamon because everyone says that about wine, apparently. Like, most of the amateur cr- critics of it. But it's th- but it's true, though. Like, every sort of uh, brand of a thing like that. You get people who smoke cigars. They, they say you have to puff in and then, like, roll the smoke around in your mouth. You don't breathe it in mm. and then you, you, you blow it out. You would just enjoy See, the flavor. I would, I would say I say that kind of stuff in a far more of oh, a far more fun way. So there is actually whenever you mention cinnamon, there is um, I, you know how much I love rum. Yes, there is yeah. a rum that tastes, as I put it, like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> cinnamon and Christmas, basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I would describe it. I was like, oh, the Christmassy drink. As opposed to, mmm, notes of cinnamon. I, I, I taste, uh, uh, you know, cardamom and fresh spring grass or something like that. Yeah, no, yeah, I, no. 
I, I think that there's way too much fluff around those types of descriptions. I, I'm the I same think way. It's more of a wine thing. Like people go into wine sometimes because they want to have the upper class. I don't know. I don't want to sound like an asshole that hates wine people. I don't hate wine people. But, wine. but I mean, seriously, take it down a notch. <laughs> I hate wine people. Fuck off. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, I thought you were talking about me. Oh, okay, shit. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I, like, yeah, I was talking to all people. the wine people out there. Oh, okay. Damn. Did your parents drink wine? No, no. My, my dad's a beer guy and my oh, mom's okay. a whiskey person. Nice. <laughs> my, my mom's the person who got me into whiskey. Like, she, mm. um, like, she was... And, like, she's probably the reason that I didn't go to college and immediately start, like, you know, throwing back, like, cheap shit. Like, yeah. when, when I started drinking in college, um, I had, like, what was it, like, Dewar's Pinch, like, these blended Scotch whiskeys. They're, they're not, like, super fancy, but they're definitely better than, like, you know, fucking Fireball or Jack Daniels or something like that. Yeah. Um, although... To be fair, Jack Daniels has come out with some pretty, uh, n some nicer stuff. Gentleman Jack, single barrel. Um, we could just honestly, this is the, we're, we're going we're going deep into different kinds of booze at this point. Uh, but the, we, the point yeah. is, <laughs> the the point is there there's these these indulgences, whether it's wine, cigars. Now there's even becoming like a marijuana aficionado community. Um. You go into these, and people tend to be very, what is it, pretentious. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I don't think it just applies to, like, intoxicants. I think it also tends to apply to, I mean, you get the same thing with coffee, actually. Like, these are black Himalayan beans, or something like that. You know, they were grown at this altitude with only this much water or something. I, and I don't doubt that that affects the flavor, um, but I feel like people... I had a co-worker who got into this with spices for cooking. He's like, I only right. get the most, like, freshly ground, locally grown cumin seeds or something like that. Right. Does it... I, I mean, I'm sure it does taste better because that's what you always hear, but is it is it really that much more amazing if it's... I, Locally grown? I, I personally, this is my experience with it because I use only the cheapest spices in my cooking. Yeah, I kind of, I, I am a bit of a skimp for that kind of thing as well. I, I, I don't find enough of a difference. I have gotten nice spices before and tried it, and it, if you really like know your food, you can tell the difference. So mm. for me, like between like a nice whiskey and a cheap whiskey, I drink a lot of whiskeys, so. I can tell the difference. Like, I have like a glass of eighteen-year-old Scotch versus a glass of you know young blended Scotch, and you know you can tell one is harsher, one like has like one flavor and then it goes down and it goes away. The other one has like a very smooth taste to it. It doesn't burn your throat, and if it does burn your throat, it comes with these like pleasant flavors that are released. And from what mm, I'm delicious burning, <laughs> but some of the scotches you actually want that, like Isla scotches, wines. Yeah. Um, from the friends that I have that drink those, 
have said like it's a similar thing like after you've had the experience to kind of taste a bunch of them and develop your palate but the the thing is if you drink a lot of if you eat a lot of spicy food that, that kind of destroys your palate anyway so it, yeah. it wines have a much more subtle flavor so the sommeliers the people i was talking about earlier the people who professionally taste wine which by the way yeah. that is a racket um <laughs> right i mean i was gonna i was thinking it but i wasn't gonna say it <laughs> So the people that do that, they purposely avoid foods with very strong flavors because they need to have that fully developed, like, ability mm. to taste and smell things. Um, yeah. But the people who just, like, do it kind of amateurishly, um, I don't think it really makes a, a massive difference. I didn't find a difference with the spices. Like, maybe, maybe if you have that, like long-standing time where you're trying different things and really looking into the subtleties then you'll be able to ascertain that sort of difference yeah but i i think a lot of the people who go for these artisanal spices right the local grown there's not really that that huge of a difference unless you are some kind of you know aficionado yeah, if if you really know your onions, then absolutely, I'm sure that. Okay, so a friend of mine, uh, you've actually met, uh, you know, um, Mike Nash. Right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, they have a bar in their uh, apartment, mm -hmm. and Mike makes some amazing drinks. Yeah. He's He's gone online, he's done his research, and I really mean done his research. He makes some amazing cocktails. Yeah. Uh, and then I go over there like a jackass and start putting absinthe with all kinds of... <laughs> anyway. And it's basically poison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when I'm that drunk, it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, he, he can make some genuinely amazing drinks that I would... Like, high quality for, for going out and having a drink, like that level of stuff. And he's not professionally drunk. I'm sure if he had had official real gone to a course and done training then it would be just amazing um, i can really taste you really can taste the difference between an amateur throwing some yeah. shots together and and uh, a professional um I, but okay go on so there there are three three things i want to say in response to that first right you're absolutely right i think i think this is kind of a you know what i'm going to say this one last but I think there definitely is a um, kind of an amateur aficionado like culture developing now, mm. um, and I, I want to talk about this more. Uh, but I, I think that the way the internet has kind of influenced things, there are people like that—people who can just decide that they have a passion about this one thing, and they can go and they can research it, and they can become quite competent in that one thing without actually having to go through all of the professional training hmm. um, point number two and I realized I started this but never finished it uh, I was saying that like you know I can tell the difference between like a really good whiskey and a really poor whiskey and even like so I'll give an example um, I went to a store uh, yesterday uh, no Friday uh, with a couple friends uh, big like wine uh, superstore but they also had a well-developed like liquor section and I was looking through they had some scotches and whiskeys that I'd never seen before 
and I picked up an 18-year-old scotch, meaning it was, so those that don't know, it was distilled and then aged in barrels for 18 years before it's actually bottled. And normally that level of aging, they have a very well-developed flavor to them. Um, and I was surprised by how cheap it was compared to most scotches of that age. I've tried it since then, and it's kind of mediocre for a scotch that old. Like, it, it has no complexity to the flavor. But, that's kind of my point, is that I can tell that difference for scotches and for whiskeys. But when it comes to wines, I'm like, eh, you know what, I'm having spaghetti tonight, and I'll just get, you know, this one costs 10 bucks, I'll grab that one. Yeah, like, that's, a bit of class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, there, it's, it's all, like, within your area. And I think spices are kind of the same way for me. Like, I love cooking, I cook all the time. But I can't really, I don't have a very well-developed palate when it comes to food. If the food is well-cooked and it tastes good and it's got the I mean, right you know spices. What you like. Yeah, exactly. I don't care if it's like, I don't care if my pepper was freshly ground or it came out of like a bottle. But uh, that's, but that's me. I think it's, it. This is, this is what I'm transitioning into, and this is what I want to get your thoughts on. I think we are moving into an era where people... It used to be the people who were aficionados, the people who really cared about their food and their drink and their music and whatever else, were people that had spent the time, had done the research, had maybe gone to school for it, and had developed that palate for that item. It doesn't have to necessarily be food or drink. It could also be music or games or movies. There were people who had that critical eye. Now, I think with the advent of the internet, you're seeing people who have developed these sort of complex tastes, not for everything, but for the things that they specifically care about. I want your yeah. thoughts. Uh... Well, hang on, sorry. So, my mind's been wandering. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, it's coffee. Um, <laughs> I. So you're talking about the the the. I'm talking about like so you were talking about your friend, right? How he was like very proficient at making yeah. these these drinks with the right proportions, with the right booze. He and he did that as an amateur. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about a coworker who did the same thing with cooking. Like, he got the right spices with the right meat, with the high quality. Right. But that same friend you're talking about, he probably or may have, like, kind of mediocre tastes when it comes to movies or when it comes to, ah. like, chicken or yes. something like that. I mean, My, I the, the, I friend I'm, the friend I'm talking him. about, I know, <laughs> the friend I'm talking about, I know for a fact he had, like, terrible tastes in... In liquor, he had a terrible taste in movies, but he had very proficient taste when it came to spices and cooking. So what I'm saying is I think the internet has kind of given us right. an age yes, where people can become an artisan in one very specific thing that they... Yeah. It isn't their whole life. trade, master of none, that kind of thing. Be great at one thing and suck at everything else, or... 
but right. you could be pretty good at everything. But it doesn't uh, necessarily, but in a hobbyist way. Regarding his movie choices, um, <laughs> I have been to a few movies with him. Yeah. Uh, quite often we'll go into the movie, and it, it'll be a, a, a kind of the AAA games equivalent of. Do you get AAA movies? I mean, Is technically, yeah. I think that's the like the big name. When I think AAA, yeah. AAA isn't really the the way they describe it, but it's like the Marvel movies versus yes. like uh, well, the, the Marvel boys. movies is one of the ones I was going to mention because that is one of the things that we went and saw. Um, and he came out of it and he was like, "Yeah, I really enjoyed that." And I was like, "I'm a bit critical, and I don't want to drag him down with my opinions." <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> he obviously enjoyed the movie but he doesn't have too much to say about them and maybe I go into too much I think about these things too much maybe I'm just a mouthy git but, uh, whose opinions shouldn't be said but yeah. I mean that's sort of what this is this is, this is me, us <laughs> voicing our opinions on the irks and the yeah. pleasures of life it, again, the the whole appeal I hope of this podcast is people listening to it and going like, "These people don't know shit." Or, "Hey, I agree yeah. with that." Yeah, that's what I want. If you Maybe agree with thinks... this, or if you think we're full of shit, I'm sorry, I just burped into the microphone. <laughs> if oh, you, I didn't if hear you it. agree with us, or if you think we're full of shit, say it in the comments. Yeah, tell us particularly if you think we're full of shit. No. <laughs> uh... But yeah, no, uh, we're obviously very opinionated. Yeah. Uh, maybe everyone else is too, and they just don't like speaking in their mind as as much. Mm. And then in the hive, everyone is we're quite a close knit bunch. And yeah. We'll so definitely speak our mind. To, to, yeah, but to bring to bring that back though, you're talking about like you know some there there are things I th what you're talking about there like kind of goes along with what I was kind of leading towards you both watched that movie he was able to watch it as what it was just like a popcorn action flick it's not necessarily satisfying like it doesn't doesn't touch your higher brain so much but it's entertaining there's explosions and flashes and it's like that was cool to watch you yep. on the other hand you're looking at it with a little bit more of a critical eye you've seen some oh, maybe higher quality yeah. movies and things um, I a wine aficionado snob but the you, movie? You, you, apparently. Oh my god. No. That's, that's what happened. Oh my god. No. Alright. Yeah. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, right now you've witnessed it firsthand. I'm kicking Blue <laughs> off the podcast, and I'm going to have to find somebody who's a little bit more of a Neanderthal like me. <laughs> oh, come on. Like, you don't complain about movies all the time. I do, actually. <laughs> that, that's why we have an entire segment called Media. <laughs> yes, and why we watch movies every week. Um, yeah, yeah. But moving it on slightly mm. to another topic. Go ahead. Something perfect for after you had a drink, or maybe during. Uh, Monopoly. Oh, the uh, the game known for breaking people up, destroying families. Oh shit! I spilled coffee on myself. <laughs> uh, well, the worst thing is it was on my trousers, and the first thing I thought was maybe I can suck that up. All I'm right, like, Wait, no, so. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, I now yeah. have a podcast host who is a eunuch. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> um, this goes back uh, to what I was saying earlier, where this podcast gets more and more chaotic as it goes yes. on. Well, after three coffees, what are you fucking expecting? 
Uh, I don't know. I've gotten a, a little bit more professional after, you know, a scotch. Well, yeah. Well, still talking about that. Um, <laughs> the every it's become a, a tradition now. Uh, whenever I go around ease, that uh, we play Monopoly literally every day now. Jesus Christ! Uh, how do you fucking yeah. stay together? Well, the funny thing is, it's uh, I think we're playing up till until the day. When, when E manages to win a game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, does she listen to these? <laughs> she does, and I'm gonna get so much flack for this, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it is it's it's a great deal of fun, and I am so proud of her for sticking mm. with it because I am a horrible, I am horribly competitive. Oh yeah, I'm not one of the most competitive but... games you can play. I think I think you know. Um, so am I. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we the three of us played Monopoly once, and I was, I mean, I was, I was playing in VR, which is oh, yeah. damning enough as is. Anyway, so not only are we playing Monopoly, yeah, Monopoly, Monopoly. Yeah, there you go. Uh, That's a word. We, uh, we're we're playing the Disney version. Oh God. That's the one that they have in the, at the house, and. Uh, and so I know that their favorite tile is Beauty and the Beast, right? So if I manage to get my hands on Beauty and the Beast, it's like a free do whatever I want. Oh shit! I just bought so much coffee. All right, I gotta put this down. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I actually need a tissue for this. There is so much coffee on me right now. All right, um, uh, I'll 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 fill while you clean yourself up. Thank you. Yes. So, um, this is this is reminding me of another story, um, so from my childhood. I played Monopoly quite a bit with my family, but although, my, my, when I was growing up, uh, my family tended to play more, um, games that you could gamble to. I remember playing Cribbage a lot when I, when I was growing up. Alright, I've um, heard of Cribbage. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually a lot of fun. My dad loved that game. Right. So, but... That game aside, we did play Monopoly a few times, and I feel like my parents let me have a little, a few indulgences. But they, they, yeah, they were kind of ruthless really? when we played the game. Yeah, I feel like I don't know, just knowing your, they knowing, knowing, knowing yeah, they knowing the ruthless. parents that I, yeah, <laughs> they, they generally were. But you know, I was, I was like, <laughs> I was like six, so they, they kind of yeah. let some stuff go. All the more reason. I just yeah. like, oh, I was like trying to make this trade, and they're like, all right, you know, I'll. I'll do it for I give you slightly favorable terms. Mm. Um I don't know. I but I, I did like that about I did like that about my parents. I didn't pull a lot of punches when we were playing games. Uh yeah. but I did uh with my uh one of my one of my very close friends, I've known her my whole life. Um I won't say her name on this because I have no idea if she actually wants her name out on the internet. Yeah. Uh but she and I used to play a version of Monopoly and it was a lot of fun as like a creative endeavor. We called it Monopoly, as like a <laughs> joke. This was this was yeah. when we were both in middle school, and right. we would um, just essentially the rules were fluid. We started with the Monopoly rules, and we were allowed to change them at any point during the game. Yeah. So it was like, I I made the like one of the rules I made up first off like right off the bat was I made the middle of the board a space. And I okay. was I and we allowed skyscrapers instead of just like houses, so we could stack the houses. 
Right. Um, I see. And we, we did like we made up all these rules and it, it devolved into an arena combat game by the end of the game. <laughs> but when you're talking about playing Monopoly, that like that was the story I was thinking of is like we, we managed it sound to like take Monopoly and make it first person shooter or something. We we made it more competitive. I just like yeah. you you've never met her or talked to her, but like no. she, She's almost. I know as, you mean it. She's almost as competitive as I am. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I say uh, almost, and I, I think that she might that. contest that. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, she's competitive. She's as competitive as you say she is. Then she will com- compete for it. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Very. It. Yeah, but very good for it. But we, like we we played Monopoly a few times, and you know, getting tired of mm. the basic rules, we uh, decided to change them and just have like a free form oh. kind of. Our own rules. That that is house rules are something. When I actually played the real version of Monopoly for the first time, because every version I played before had house rules. When I played yeah. the real version for the first time, I was shocked at how quickly the game went. Really? I mean, even when we played chess, chess, Monopoly, like, as you know, you're stubborn as heck. Of course I am. You're like, no, the rules I play by are the original rules, and you can just, well, play it that way. Um, <laughs> well, and the reason is because when I discovered the real rules, I was like, holy shit, this is actually a lot faster. Right. I was uh, trying to get out of the game. <laughs> but yeah, like the whole, some people play with the taxes going into free parking, and if you land on free parking, you yeah. get the money, which doesn't make any sense to me, because if free, it, you don't if I could go Basically, into a car park and get handed two grand, I'd I, be in... I'd be, oh my god, yeah. I honestly thought that that started in Boston when I was a kid because I was like, well, it's basically just gambling. And we... we like, the lottery is right. basically just part of... So, fun fact, for those of you who don't listen uh, or don't live in Massachusetts, um, the lottery is state-run here, and it's a... It's a uh, basically just a giant like spin the wheel and see who wins the money. They throw out like different numbers, and if you get all the numbers right, then you get a bunch of money. I I mean that's lottery in general, isn't it? It depends. Right. Okay. Go. Cool. Uh. Anyway, in Massachusetts, the uh, the lottery is like there's like five five numbers. They all get pulled out of a thing. It's like one to one hundred each of them. And then it gives you it, and you have to write them down ahead of time, and you know, get a ticket and everything. That's our big state lottery. And um, pulls on like billions of dollars. I just assumed that like that that rule of monopoly was just like a gambling thing. Like, yeah, no, because it, it's, it's seems... just like if you roll right, then you get all the cash that everyone else lost. <laughs> yeah, it seems very unbalanced. Because one person will get all that money and the it's other person based. will not. It's I quite often play with the rule that if you land on the go square, you get double the amount of money. That one, uh, yeah, I kind of like that one too. Kind it's, of okay. It's not a huge because, impact. Yeah, and if if you, it's not, it's not that one person gets loads of money and the other person doesn't. You can both land on it at the same time. Yeah, and both get double the cash. It's not a jackpot uh, sort of situation. No, and if you if you then go on to land on the negative two hundred cash, it's like four squaces, four squaces, 
four spaces or squares, I'm doing that so much uh, onto the board, then you just end up with plus 200, which is the normal thing anyway. Um, oh my god, it was so mean though. Today's, uh, I did it today, this morning. Oh god, we you, play, you were playing Monopoly today. Yeah, this morning <laughs> we woke up and played Monopoly. Oh um, my god, that is that is a way to start like a day long fight right there. <laughs> and um, oh, it was it was so unlucky. Um, by the end of it, uh, E does not like putting putting risk out. So I will mortgage things to buy ha to buy properties and things like oh, that. Yeah. He will always have about a hundred in the bank before she does anything. Uh, yeah. So I had uh, castles instead of hotels. It's Disney. Yeah. On all three of the red tiles and the two brown tiles, and she did not have a house down yet <laughs> because I was being really, really stingy about my trade. So every so often I, I always went either you're in the deep shit or the other person's deep shit, where I'm like. I'll do a trade. I got a card here, you might like, kind of thing. So, god damn it. And even though the trade was really good for her, she would just look at me, flip me the bird, and say, no, fuck you. So, this, this segment has quickly transitioned into just, like, stories from our daily lives. But there well, is yes. one thing that I want to talk about on that point. Um, no. You would absolutely... You probably would fit in a lot better with the sort of Monopoly games that I played with my college friends. Um, right. Us all being, like, engineers and several of us, like, having minds for finance. Yeah. We would do things like, alright, you have this purple, you know, property. I have the other purple property. So I'll trade it to you for $100 now, immunity to this property over here, and a 10% yeah. increase... Uh, or 10% yep. revenue from this property over here. Like, we would do deals like that, that you would need to, like, write down on right. paper and actually remember, like, hey, you landed there. I never there. did percentages like that, but quite often there's a thing where it's like, tell you what, I will give you this property, and I won't even make you pay for it, even though you've just landed on it. I won't make you pay for it. But you've got to give me these three cheap ones. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, you know, I, you know, you have immunity to this property, but I want, you know, half your revenue yeah. from that property. Like, I would do... Like, we used to do deals like that, and there's... The, the rules allow it. That's in the base mm. rules of Monopoly. You're allowed to make whatever deals you want to make. Yeah. Like, I oh, love did, that sort of thing. I love it. Did you ever do the, the mortgaging asshole trick? Oh, what? Did, that is to say... Uh, you like I did this with Alicia but I actually took it back because I felt so bad about how much of a mean okay. person I was okay. uh, I mortgaged the property Yeah. But she she needed to wait did I say her actual name anyway we'll cut it I out said her, I, we'll I said her actual name earlier too but we it, her last okay, name is I've, I've said several people's actual name but we've only used first names so okay we're gonna, we're gonna need to I'm afraid just I'll, to... I'll remind me when I'm doing the editing I'll bleep them okay uh, so back to it. We uh, I mortgaged a property, uh, and then later on, I was like, "Oh, I'll, I want that property you have. I'll trade it for the property that I have that you want of mine." So I'll make the trade, and she'll be like, uh, "She'll put it face up on her side." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. That's mortgage. 
you have to pay for that to unmortgage it before you can do anything with it. Oh my god. <laughs> and she was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I, mean, okay, I did that yeah, all the time. I did that all the time, but like I was I was up front. <laughs> I was more a little a little bit more upfront about it. Just like Yeah, you know, like the the trade would be like uh, kinda half price if it was mortgage. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> we're we're coming up on 40 minutes here for the last mm. segment um there's some bits that i think we've talked about that i have to either bleep or edit out um yeah. so final thoughts because we are ending the first real podcast uh right yes uh i uh ba, 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 ba. um I don't know. All I can think about is chocolate dinosaurs. Uh, I mean, that's that's as good a final thought as I could imagine. I mean, yeah. Okay, I, I just got home today from from where I've been, and I just there was a chocolate dinosaur, uh, and now that's just stuck in my mind because it's on my desk. Jesus Christ. Um. All right. So, final thoughts on my end. Um. I think that we've found that we can talk much more about movies than I ever thought, because I'm not a big movie person. Like, we watch movies and TV mm. shows and things like that. Obviously. Books, yeah, books, surprisingly as well. Like, I, I thought that most of our content was going to end up being talking about games, because we do play yeah. a lot of games. But apparently... <laughs> apparently, the two of us have also consumed quite a bit of movie yeah. and book media. What's so, the culture? Apparently, Jesus, and we even had a segment where we're talking about like, you know, wine and spices and food and things like that. God, yeah, we really are the greatest human beings on earth. Ah, right. And now someone is going to make a, uh, a a video in response where they correct all the mistakes we've made, and it'll be twice the length of this video. <laughs> uh, you've just described YouTube in a nutshell. Yeah. All right, so we're coming up on the end of this segment. Uh, I want to thank everyone who is listening for listening. Um, if you're listening again on Friday, this will be the final segment, but if you're listening on Saturday, this is also the final segment. <laughs> no matter what's going on in your life, this is the end of the podcast. We're going to do another one of these next week. I hope you enjoyed it, and please come back and listen to us again. <laughs>